Greetings to the PATH family. Our slogan at the PATH is meeting you where you are. We invite you to follow, share, and check us out on social media. You may connect with us at any time, anywhere. On Facebook at The PATH Church or Instagram and Twitter at Join the PATH. Without further delay, enjoy this week's sermon. Amen. So we have our YouTube audience who's watching today. Good morning, YouTube. Uh, Thank you for being a part of our worship service. All right. So if you're visiting here today, we like to have you be a part of what I'm talking about today. It's interactive. You can um, log in to Minty or you can scan the QR code and be a part of what we are doing today. Okay, let's go to the next slide here. You know, God has really blessed us. God has um, given us some incredible opportunities as we have this theme that we've been studying out, you know, and looking at, and you can't make this up. And it's amazing how we see God working. And I hope and pray that you see God working in your life. And the whole focus of this theme was sometimes things are happening and we don't take time out to acknowledge what God is doing. So I want us to understand, especially if you're visiting today, we're not trying to build a church. We're trying to be God's church. Because the more we are God's church, the church will grow. Because Jesus said that all you need to do is lift me up. You lift me up and I will draw. And I think sometimes as church people, we can get focused on the wrong things. What's our responsibility and what's God's responsibility? I'm very grateful for the staff we have here. Uh, The last couple of weeks, we've had very inspiring messages. And and I'm grateful to be a part of a team of men and women who love the Bible, who love to preach the Bible. I'm grateful to be a part of a team and a church of men and women who respect the Bible. Do we respect the Bible, church? Okay, let's not be apologetic for that. You can go to the next slide. So um, I'm sorry, I'm from a different era. I like a little interactive, you know, knowing I'm not in this room by myself. Marcos Mercado preached about what is God up to, and he spent a lot of time centered around the Lord's Prayer. Jesus' disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And that's what he did. Our next sermon was in the spirit of the week of Valentine's, and um, Angel's message, you find what you look for. And I hope and pray those of us who are looking for someone took to heart some of the parameters and safeguards that the Spirit of God has put in his Bible to help us understand how to make good decisions and, you know, righteous decisions. And really, when you go back and you listen to Angel's message, what he was doing, he was building up this story of everyday romance that people are trying to find someone. And you know, behind the scenes, God was trying to set up the family for Jesus. That everything in our lives is spiritual. There's not just the Sunday morning thing, but it's who we are and what we do. So so I I wanna do a quick little, uh, got a quick little question for you here. I just want us to, Think about, what's Atlanta known for? What's Atlanta known for? Music, black mecca, party, food, clubs, 
Okay, we get it. Black people, if it's a black Mecca. All right. Let, well, we, okay. Listen, guys, I'll wrap this up because it's obvious food is on your minds. I mean, wings, lemon pepper wings. I mean, okay, we get it. All right. Okay. Lemon pepper wings wet. Okay. Lamb chops and hookah. Okay, listen. We love food. All right. Civil rights movement, city too busy to hate, okay? All right, black excellence, okay, okay. Diversity, okay. All right, let's go to the next slide. Let's go to the next slide. Sometimes you try and just, but at least I know what's on your mind, so that's a good thing. What temptations and sins do we face living in this city? What, what do we face living in this city? And what I love about this, I think if, if you're going to be effective as a Christian, you got to understand the battle you're engaged in. If you're really going to have the impact that God desires us to have, you, oh, wow, okay, so we got very honest today. Lust, greed, selfish ambition, idolatry, comparison, Comfort, pride, worldliness, complacency, opportunity, wasting money, beautiful women, adultery, sexuality, okay. Confusion, not sure what that means, but all right. Addictions, all right. So cursing, okay. I think that happens everywhere, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> as a disciple of Jesus, you got to understand your mission. You got to understand your city. You got to understand the challenges. And the only reason we take the time out to go this deep is because we need to make an impact. But it's kind of hard to make an impact which you don't realize how you can make an impact. And I'm very appreciative of those visiting today and, and those who are watching. And we have many young Christians who are in the church. We have people now who are studying the Bible. And I just want to spend a little time in the scriptures today to help us to understand how we can prepare. So in a few weeks, a bunch of people are going to show up here because it's Easter. A bunch of people. It's going to be packed. It's going to be, and you know, I'm not that type of guy who gets mad because people come Easter. Praise God. That may be their one shot. And I have known people who show up Easter and never stop coming. So I don't want us to be those self-righteous Christians. Oh, here they come. They only come on Easter. No, praise God. Whatever it takes to get them in the building. Now, the objective is not to get them in the building. The objective is to help them get to heaven. And that's where we come in. Like I said, there are things that God is going to do, and there's responsibility he has entrusted to us. So we're going to, you know, Marcos alluded to this um, a few weeks ago. I've looked at it before, but I, I think there's a church that we can learn a lot from. There's a church in the scriptures that we can learn a lot from, and that is Corinth. So we're going to spend some time today talking about the city of Corinth. You can go to the next slide here. You know, living in Corinth, it was one of the great cities of the ancient world. 
And the community was very much like Atlanta. It was prosperous, busy, and growing. So not everything about where we live is bad. There are businesses here. There's government here. There's the military here. There's shopping here. And we're all capitalists. We love it. And if you're saying, no, I don't, you're in church. Because the Amazon truck is on my street every hour. So you may not be shopping, but there are people. We are Americans. We love what we get to have in America. Now, one of the things that's important as Christians, be honest. Be self-aware. We didn't make ourselves Americans. We didn't put ourselves in this time and place. God put us here. And it's a challenge, just like it was a challenge for our early brothers and sisters living in a city like Corinth. Because not only were there positive attributes, there was a lot. Corinth was known as a city of decadence, lust, greed, pleasure, whatever you wanted to engage in. And they made it a part of their religion. They had a, a, a temple there for Aphrodite the goddess of love, and it really was sexuality. And in that temple, a thousand prostitutes and priestesses were in her service. And it was a very prominent part of the culture. So how does the church navigate when you are living in that type of culture, but God says, I still want you to be on my mission? So I don't want us to get into this mindset of what some people, this monastic mindset, and you find that with monk, monks and, and nuns and, and people who withdraw from society, build this big wall, and lock the door and say, we don't want to be contaminated by the world. A lot of church people do that. Church people are notorious for doing that. We get converted. We start speaking the same language. And then we lock the fellowship, and we don't want certain people in this church. And we're watching. Who's coming to church? Ooh, ooh, did you smell that? Can you believe in that church? They had people come in who've been smoking weed like you just stopped smoking the other day. I mean, what cracks me up is we act like we were born Christians. Guys, I've been here long enough. I studied the Bible with a lot of you. My wife's been working with a lot of you. The staff, we know our people. And I just I want to help us with that. How are we going to navigate this? You can go to the next slide. How are we going to navigate this? Will the church be more like the city or more like Christ? Now, there are churches that feel like if we're going to win people, we got to make the atmosphere conducive to what they're comfortable with. And man, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, IG has been blowing up with these scandalous preachers, and they do this, and they do that. Boy, this is the year of the preachers. Oh, they've been uncovered, and that, that, that. And then one preacher, can you believe it? He had them dancing, uh, what was that, New Year's Eve at church, and that made the news, and everybody's talking. And I'm like, okay, yeah, the preachers need to repent, but the Christians need to repent too. 
Everybody needs to repent. Because we cannot be afraid of the gospel. We can't change the gospel. Now I'm about to say some things here and it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable. And if you're visiting with us today, I want you to know I love you. But more importantly, God loves you. And I'm going to just read the Bible. And if you don't agree, you have to take it up with the Holy Spirit and wrestle it out. What's our next slide here? Because as a Christian, we got to understand that um, there's something about attention that we live in. There's attention for anybody who wants to follow Christ. See, the Apostle Paul wrote the letters of 1st and 2nd Corinthians to the church there in Corinth. We started off at Acts chapter 18 because he was there. He started that church. And he wanted to teach the people that he loved how they could be more like Jesus. And, you know, Paul spent time in Corinth. And for us as Christians, this is the most, the, the first and second Corinthians are the most letters written to Christians. Okay, that, that's Paul spent so much time there. He was so invested there. And we have this record of how he wanted the Christians to live. So as you Pick it up right here in 1 Corinthians. So it's very interesting because, I don't know, I'm learning to read the Bible differently and look for the humor and the interesting things that are in scriptures. So first of all, how did this letter get written? Well, Paul starts off with his introduction, but I'm going to skip ahead just so to give you a backdrop. Paul says, some from Chloe's household have informed me. Paul was in another city. The church in Corinth was just going on, doing his thing, going his own. And then they got to a place like, we got to talk to our dad. We got, we got to talk to our spiritual father. He needs to know what is going on. And those, that delegation from the church went to Paul and said, this is what's going on with our church. Now, I know some people say, oh, they're just snitching. No. Sometimes you need to get a little advice. Is it wrong to get advice? Okay. Y'all don't believe in advice? Do we need to know what's going on with the church? Do we care what's going on with the church? Okay, so that's what they did. So Paul got that message, and he said, okay, I got a few things I need to say. In verse 1, Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be his holy people together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Notice he said, to the church of God in Corinth. Paul was brilliant. Paul used language that they could understand. He wrote to the church. The word church in the Greek meant a gathering of people, usually a gathering of citizens to hear what was going on in that city. It was a gathering. It was like a team. It had no religious connotation at all. Church, ecclesia, it was just a group of people gathering for a reason. Paul said, I want to address the people who gather for God, not just church. Because Paul said a gathering can come together and just be together. 
They can be together for social reasons, networking reasons. So even as Paul addressed this letter to his brothers and sisters, he said, this is to the church. What does that mean? I can't help people who don't want to follow God. How great is our God? Not how great is the path. How great is our God? So I don't have time to fight with anyone who doesn't want to follow God. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus, okay, all our sins have been washed away. What we did in the past doesn't count. That's what sanctified means. Amen. Baptisms, woo, sanctified. But guess what? We are called to be holy. Oh, wait a minute. I got baptized. I'm good, right? Uh-uh. <laughs> you are stepping in to the light. Now you are expected by God to walk in the light. Holy. What does that mean? Set apart. Different. Unique. Peculiar. So Paul was saying, you have been converted. You're following God. He didn't tell him move out of Corinth. He didn't say leave that decadent, sinful city. He said, no, right where you are in your situation, you have to be holy. And then he says, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been, uh, what does it say right here? I got to close out this. For him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. Now, Paul knew what was going on in the church. Notice how he started this with an affirmation. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will always keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what Paul was saying? Even in the midst of all this chaos, all this garbage, all this sin, all this temptation, you have what you need to do well spiritually. The church has everything it needs to be glorious, to be blameless, to be excellent. Because the Holy Spirit equips us with everything. He said in verse 9, God is faithful. Who has called you into his God, let, let me help you out with this. I know we have a journey series. It's not your neighbor calling you. It's not your cousin calling you. It's not your schoolmate calling you. You know who's calling you? God. It is God who is calling. And the question is, because as we get ready now to prepare for Easter and all these new people are coming in, as we go through the journey series, we must ask ourselves, is God pleased with how we are living? As we open the scriptures with our family and friends, I don't want us just to preach to them. I want us to use that as an opportunity to examine our own discipleship. Because it's so easy to tell people how to live and not do it ourselves. See, and then we have to ask ourselves, for those who are going to study the Bible 
Am I ready to repent and change? Am I ready? Nobody is forced into membership. I don't want you to feel any pressure to be a part of the church. Even for those of you who've grown up in the church, your parents are part of the church, your family members are part of the church. It doesn't work if it's not what you want to do because no one can walk with you 24-7. So I don't want anybody feeling like, oh man, I felt so guilty because they kept calling me and they kept asking me, do you want to be a disciple? Do you want to be a disciple? And I'm like, oh, oh I like them so much, I didn't want to hurt their feelings. No, no, hurt our feelings. Hurt our feelings. Tell us this is not right, not right now. Because there are things I want to do. Because really, it's not just what we are building. The question is, are we being a part of God's church? Are we going to allow ourselves to change? See, the Corinthian culture was known for partying, drunkenness, loose sexual morals. It was just wow. And Paul says, you know what? The goal for you is to be different. Because Paul said the only way people will lead the world if they see something different. If they come into the church and the people in the church party like the world, talk like the world, dress like the world. Ooh, uh-oh. Uh-oh, you, you, you judging? No, I'm teaching you what the Bible says. We have to be different because God expects us to be different. And that's what attention comes in because we wake up in the morning and there are things that we all want to do, but then there are things that we must do to bring glory to God. And if you don't walk away with anything today, just understand that that dude was trying to help me understand I got to follow God. See, what was going on in Corinth? Let's break it down. Morality problems, doctrine problems, church government problems, spiritual gift problems, church service problems, authority problems. They just had problems. <laughs> you ever knew of a church with problems? Yeah. You ever been a part of a church with problems? Yeah. Welcome to the life of a Christian. But you know what I love about Paul? He just didn't leave them there. First of all, he called them saints. So sometimes God's people just need to be reminded who we are. That's all. Can I give you a little reminder of who we are? New people, I love you. You're not changing our culture. We're not going to become more comfortable so your friends can fit in. It's not that type of party. We're not doing that. Well, wait a minute. There's a tension sometimes when I come to church. Because things are said that I don't know if I agree with. That's okay. There are a lot of things we said I didn't necessarily agree with. There are a lot of things I read in the Bible. I don't just jump up and down and say amen. I've learned over time that, you know what, I, I got to get to know the heart of God. What 
Pastor Angel did last week, he gave you a, a snapshot, uh, just a glimpse of God's heart. God is for us. God wants people to be successful. God wants your life to work out. But God knows best. Now that's tough. So this past week, I, I, I sat down with a, a young brother and we were talking. And, you know, I'm just following up when he had lunch. I said, brother, how are you doing spiritually? I'm doing great, brother. I'm doing, I said, okay, good. I said, uh, let's talk about your spiritual walk. He said, oh, I pray all the time. I, I just pray, pray, pray. I love to pray. I, love to pray. I said, how are you doing reading your Bible? He said, um, are you... <laughs> He said, uh, not that much. Um, are you preaching this Sunday? Uh-huh. You sound like you're working on a sermon. I <laughs> See, I am. Do you want me to call your name? I said, but I'm checking in on my brother. Because you got to stay in the word. Are we afraid to use the word? Let me ask my mature Christians. Do people want to hear the truth? Wow. Do people want to hear the truth? Whoa. I should have put that on Minty. Stand up. No, never mind. Do people want to hear the truth? So yesterday, Marcos and I were on Morehouse campus, and we did a workshop. So we had a, a series of workshops we do with uh, Bethany Christian Services, and it's about how not to end up with the wrong partner. They call it how not to, and how not to be a jerk or jerkette in your relationship. So that's the name of it. So, so we had about eight guys there, and we started, and we talked about relationship, 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 so then, this past, this, yesterday, the last chapter, we had to talk about the sexual relationship. And this is with sophomores and juniors. I said, guys, what have you learned so far? Mind-blowing what they share. Bethany is using a, a, um, this workshop format that was written by a pastor who took out all the scriptural references. But it's all spiritual. It's, so what they did, they said, you know what? We're going to covertly go out into the world using the tools, because everybody wants to talk about relationships. Everybody wants to talk about finding the right one. And I said, young man, young man, how many of you guys, what have you learned? Do you think you want to be married one day? One guy said, before this workshop, no. Another guy said, I looked at my parents' marriage, and I'm like, I don't want that. Another guy said, I, I'm more open to it now because of these conversations. All we did was talk about what's right. With a group of guys, they're not church guys. They're not really, and they are very open about all the stuff they're into. And we just started talking about, is it beneficial? Let's talk about sleeping with people you're not married to. What are the consequences? They shared the consequences. Then, then was, one guy raised his hand was very vulnerable. But how do you just become celibate? How, how, 
what's it, how do you make that decision? And Marcos just shared some good safeguards. But here we are. I said, guys, how many of you want to be husbands one day? But I only want to be married once. How many of you want to be fathers? But I want my kids raised in the right environment. So I ask you again, do people want to hear the truth? You never know unless you put it out there. If you walk around, nobody's interested, everybody's lost, you will find what you look for. If you believe that. But if you just do what God says, live me up. Speak the truth. And I will do everything else. All right, as we get ready to, to go through this, what had Paul had to deal with? Paul had to deal with divisions. People weren't getting along. Some say, I follow this person. Some say, I follow that person. They were all divided. They were all in cliques. They weren't in mission groups. They were in mission cliques. They just were trying to say who had the better message. And then they got confused about the message of the cross. The cross wasn't center anymore. Because they would allow the culture to get a, be so much a part of the worship, they were all caught up in philosophies. Philosophies, philosophy. You know, as I was talking to this young man, he wanted to talk about what is subjective, what is a person's opinion, what is all relative. I say, brother, go back to the Bible. So what we have to do with one another, we have to keep coming back to the Bible because Jews demand signs. Greeks look for wisdom, wisdom, wisdom got to go beyond TikTok, Instagram and all these other social media platforms. It's amazing how we now base our lives on what everybody else thinks. We are more concerned with what's the trendy thoughts than what the word of God says. Same thing in Corinthians. Then they had some other issues they had to deal with. Paul said, okay, let's, let's talk through this. Wow, so Paul was talking about God's wisdom. He was preaching to them about how you have to understand. Then Paul went back to say the church and his leadership, he was trying to help them understand the importance of leadership. He was trying to help them understand. You, you follow the leaders as long as they're leading you to Christ, but you don't idolize the leadership. You don't say, I am Ed's disciple. I'm Angel's disciple. Because you make it about Jesus because he is the one who died for us. Then in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, they were attacking Paul's apostleship. Are you really an apostle? Why? Because he was challenging them. He was challenging them. Because every now and then, there are going to be those people who come into the church, and their number one goal is to disrupt. Disrupt. Then they start whispering, who is he? Who does he think he is? Why is he saying stuff like that? Who put him in charge? Same thing. It's nothing new. We've seen it before. Then Paul had to deal with immorality. Paul said, guys, come on, the church. You got a man in the church sleeping with his stepmother. He said, that don't even happen in the world. That's what was happening in Corinth. And he said, y'all celebrating. I don't know, maybe they had a get-together party. Maybe they do a Netflix and chill together. And this, dude, and this dude brought in his stepmother. I don't know, but everybody knew about it. But notice what he said. 
Notice what he said. A brother, he didn't say she was a part of the church. He was in the church. He was messing with somebody outside of the church. And Paul said, that's a problem. That's the problem because now the standard is being lowered. So he had to deal with that. Then the Christians, they went into business ventures with each other, but then they got mad and started suing each other. Then they started fighting over money and fighting. This is all one church, guys, and we're just a few paragraphs into the letter. <laughs> then he said, okay, I got to send Timothy. I got to send Timothy over there. And then he says, do you not know uh, this is you pick it up in chapter six and verse nine. Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. OK, so are we talking about just showing up the church or inheriting the kingdom of God? Neither the sexually immoral idolaters or adulterers nor men who have sex with men nor thieves nor the greedy nor drunkards nor slanders nor swindlers would inherit the kingdom of God and that is what some of you were but you were washed Paul said listen I'm not here to talk about Corinth you don't see Paul going off about the city he said the church what is go these were church folk he said, you live that way, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. I don't care what the city is doing. But he says, in this church that belongs to God. Because we all have to answer to God. He says, but you were washed, you were sanctified. You were, but what I like about this, he said, and this is what some of you were. Paul said, let's be honest. I know y'all. I converted some of you. Everything that is going on in the city, they were in the church, but they were repentant. But guess what? They started slipping back into the world. It gets very controversial. There's a tension there. So you got this man, he's got his, his mother, uh, his stepmother, and then, okay, this big discussion about Atlanta's a very promiscuous, sexuality is a big issue. It comes up. We just have to talk about it. We just have to talk about it. We can't avoid the issue. It's just there. It's in front of us all the time. What is our standard? We're going to obey what the Bible says. I'm not comfortable with that. Maybe this isn't the church for you. No, no, no. I'm not trying to be offensive. But I don't want anyone feeling like you're confused. You don't, understand, you don't know what the Bible says. I don't want any Christian taking on the responsibility of explaining away the scriptures. Well, you know, once in time, the Bible said this, but you know, bro, I understand. Since I understand, you know, no, no, no. What does the Bible say? Well, what does the church think about X, Y, Z? What does the Bible say? We can't back away from that. I know I thank you, Dr. Edwards, for doing the um, class that we have with our younger Christians as they came in pathways to understand more what the church said. And Ray said they had questions. And it's good. But if you have questions, have you taken the time out to read the scriptures? To do your own research, to get your own conviction. Paul wasn't just caught up 
in the culture. I think too many churches preach against the culture, preach against the culture, preach against the culture. And can come across abrasive, come across self-righteous, come across condemning, and we fight the wrong battle. Our responsibility is to lift up Jesus. Once the individual says, I want to follow Jesus, then they got to wrestle it out with God. But once they come into the church, there is an expectation and there's a standard from the Bible. Paul did not spend his time writing and trying to battle a homophobic culture. He wouldn't spend all his time about homosexuality. And that has become a big calling card in the church. What is the church? Number one, 14 of the 15 Roman emperors were bisexual or homosexual in the Roman Empire. Just like it's on TV now, it was a way of life in Corinth. It was a way of life when Rome was in power. Paul was there with Nero. Do you all know who Nero was? Nero was the emperor, but Nero had a reputation. Everybody knew rep Nero's reputation because he was known for viciously raping a Vestal virgin, committing incest with his own mother. Nero kicked his pregnant wife to death. But do you see any of that in the scriptures? What did Paul say? And to Nero. Because they knew. The world was lost. Nero went so far as he got a young boy, castrated the boy, and then married him. And the boy eventually committed suicide. But where do we find all that in the Bible? That wasn't Paul's focus. Paul's focus was the gospel. He did not spend his time trying to fix societal ills. Now, we can do what we can to help, but our primary focus as disciples is the gospel, the good news, to help those who are looking for salvation. Are you all with me, church? Notice I said our primary focus. Let me ask you something, disciple. When the last time you opened the word with somebody? Mission group, when the last time you opened the word with somebody? When the last time you say, hey, I'm here for, it's good to have pizza and wings. I know we love wings. <laughs> Who you having wings with? When the last time we practice hospitality? Well, man, I don't know about all that now. I thought we were going to talk about Corinth. Then Paul had to help them out, help them understand what marriage was all about. Then Paul had to break it down and help them understand. It was a long chapter about marriage. I mean, he went on and on and on about marriage. And then Paul got to the one on Christian freedoms. Okay, Christian freedoms. Freedom in Christ. Freedom. I'm free. You can't. I'm free. Free. I want to share this with 1 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to, I didn't put it up there because it just came on my mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Verse 9. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights 
does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Am I free in Christ? I sure am. But I got to be careful that the, the way I live is not a stumbling block to the weak. The weak in the world and the weak in the church. So now, guys, we got to be thinking about other people. In verse 10, if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in an idol temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister from whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound their conscience, you sin against Christ. What is that saying? We don't have idols. I mean, we don't have temples today, but we got a lot of idols. You got a lot of idols. Okay, let's just go ahead and address it right now. We've been talking about it with the elders. Staff been talking about it. Guys, listen. You have freedom in Christ. But don't allow your freedoms in Christ to send your brother or sister to hell. What is that so important you can't let go? I get concerned about the drinking. Can Christians drink? You're adults. If you're 21 and over, the law said, if you're 21 and over. If you're not, leave that liquor alone. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Leave it alone. <laughs> but to my mature Christians, you drinking, what about that brother who has an addictive personality? What about that brother when he comes over to your house and you're pouring your brand and you're pouring your liquor and you say, oh, I guess Christians can do this. Then they go home and they start pouring, but they can't stop. You got to know the people whom you are around. You got to think about what's going to be best for my brother or for my sister. Okay, so, you know, well, they say lead is weak. Illegal is not legal. Listen, guys, let me help you with this. That has been, that has been a debate. I'll be honest with you. As a Christian man who has worked with in the hood for 30 years, I don't see where it's benefited the brothers. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What, what I have seen guys don't mature, women don't mature, because whenever you're using something to escape, not deal with reality, that's an idol. That's an idol. I remember one time a sister in Harlem was studying the Bible with somebody, and this woman just didn't want to give us smoking. Smoking will kill you anyway. But your body is a temple. Sister was trying to help understand you, it's not good for you. She wanted to argue. She said, okay, the next time your baby gets sick, pray to that pack of cigarettes. Because that cigarette is more important than your relationship with God. It's an idol. Now, I know some of you are like, well, brother, I don't know. And the word, Greek word, you don't know Greek, number one. But in, I don't want to be offensive. But everybody gets baptized as in a Bible theologian. Guys, you start Googling, you can find online anything to justify your argument. Okay. But then 
he kept talking about this freedom. It, it was a big problem in Corinth because they were so much like us. And we love our liberties. We love our freedom. Then chapter 11, they had to deal with the public worship. And then we're going to get into the women's issue. And then we're going to start fighting over spiritual gifts. And my gift is better than your gift. And I'm more important than you. And it just was going on and on and on. And, you know, really what Paul could have done, what I probably would have done, is say, okay, shut that one down. Let's move on to the next city. This is too much. Guys, all this I'm addressing is in, it was in the Corinthian church. If I had been Paul, I would have said, dear Corinthians, it was wonderful, but good luck and goodbye. That's what I would have done in my flesh. But we have a guide for that. 1 Corinthians 13, we'll close out with this. 1 Corinthians 13, in verse 1, if I speak in the tongue of men of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, kind does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. This is what convicts me. The longest treatise of love in the New Testament is in Corinth. The Holy Spirit says, you know what, Paul? Got to love them. And they got to love each other. And this is what love, love is patient. Paul, Paul had that. I never quite understood that until recently. It's like rebuke, 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 double rebuke, 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 rebuke. Then all of a sudden he shifts gears. I'm going to teach you what love is. Why wasn't this treatise of love put in Philippians? They were doing great. Church in Philippi, probably one of the strongest churches ever. But for some reason, in the most disastrous, dysfunctional, unholy church, from our vantage point, God saw something different. And we use this at weddings. Everybody in the world quotes this. You know what everybody looking, is looking for? Love. Everybody is looking for love. Now the world has distorted that word and given many idols of what love is and given the falseness of love. But Paul says, in the most corrupt city right now that we're dealing with, y'all just practice genuine love. What can we do? We, we, we're in a city. It's got some issues. It's got some challenges. We battle sin every day. We try to stay righteous. We try to, try to stay on point. My encouragement to us, let's truly love God and love one another and love people. Let's strive to do that. 
Because if we do that, we're doing what God wants us to do. And that's what attention is. Older Christians, I got to be honest with you. I know the feeling. I've said this before. I've said this before. How many times have God had to remind us of what we should be doing? Are we going to be patient? Is God patient with us? Do we get tired of saying the same thing over and over? But God is patient. And God knows we need to hear it over and over. That's why we got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They say the same thing. <laughs> over and over and over. The same thing. To my young Christians. Do you want help making it to heaven? But are you willing to live in tension to get there? Is the Bible your standard or is IG your standard? Is the Bible your standard or pol social, political trends your standard? You got to wrestle with that. Those who are visiting, we would love for you to come on board, please. Be a part of what we're doing, but are you ready to make God the reason? Are you ready to surrender and be a part of God's church? Not the path. We love the path. We came up with that name. We love it. <laughs> but it's all about God. As we take communion right now, I want you to think about how great is our God. And really, the greatness was shown because he sent Jesus. None of this would make any sense. This would all be a waste of time if Jesus had not come, taught what he did, died, and most importantly, been resurrected. Now, for my skeptics and critics out there, you find somebody who came back from, who lived like Jesus, died like Jesus, and came back from the dead, and we can have a conversation. But right now, we're holding up Jesus. And we're not apologizing for following Jesus. So as we take this bread that represents the body that was broken, the fruit of the vine that represents the blood that was shed, let us thank God for allowing all of us, as messed up as we were, to find salvation. Let us pray. Father and God, we come before you right now, God, and we're so grateful and thankful for this opportunity to look at the scriptures, God, we realize it's a timeless battle that we're in. This is nothing new. The society we live in, God, is challenging, it's difficult, there's so much tension, but yet, God, for some reason, you've given us everything we need so we can live in tension and also be successful as disciples. I pray and thank you for the, the body that was broken on the cross, the blood that was shed, God. Because we know that it's only because of Jesus we have a relationship with you. And we ask these prayers in your son's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. New sermons are uploaded each Monday morning. Simply search The Path Church Atlanta in iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting service. Additionally, we greatly appreciate your feedback on iTunes. If you would like to learn more about The Path, we encourage you to visit 
www.thepath.church. We hope to fellowship with you soon.